Chapter 10 of the Ontario Reader's Third Book by the Ontario Ministry of Education. Read for LibriVox.org. Chapter 10 The Ride for Life. Away off towards the swamp, which they were avoiding, the long, heart chilling cry of a mother wolf quavered on the still night air. In spite of herself, Mrs. Murray shivered, and the boys looked at each other. There is only one, said Ronald, in a low voice to Don but they both knew that where the she-wolf is there is a pack not far off. And we will be through the bush in five minutes. Come, Ronald, come away. You can talk to Don any time. Good night, Don. And so saying she headed her pony toward the clearing and was off at a gallop, and Ronald, shaking his head at his friend, ejaculated, Man alive! What do you think of that? And was off after the pony. Together they entered the bush. The road was well beaten and the horses were keen to go, so that before many minutes were over they were half through the bush. Ronald's spirits rose, and he began to take some interest in his companion's observations upon the beauty of the lights, and the shadows falling across their path. "'Look at that very dark shadow from the spruce there, Ronald,' she cried, pointing to a deep black turn in the road. For an answer there came from behind them the long, mournful hunting cry of the wolf. He was on their track." Immediately it was answered by a chorus of howls from the bush on the swamp side, but still far away. There was no need of command. The pony sprang forward with a snort, and the colt followed, and after a few minutes running, passed her. "'Woo!' rose the long cry of the pursuer, summoning help, and drawing nearer. "'Wee-woo!' came the shorter, sharper answer from the swamp, but much nearer than before and more in front. They were trying to head off their prey." Ronald tugged at his colt till he got him back with the pony. "'It is a good road,' he said quietly. "'You can let the pony go. I will follow you.' He swung in behind the pony, who was now running for dear life and snorting with terror at every jump. "'God preserve us,' said Ronald to himself. He had caught sight of a dark form as it darted through the gleam of a light in front. "'What did you say, Ronald?' The voice was quiet and clear. "'It is a great pony to run,' said Ronald, ashamed of himself. Is she not? Ronald glanced over his shoulder. Down the road, running with silent, awful swiftness, he saw the long, low body of the leading wolf flashing through the bars of moonlight across the road, and the pack following hard. "'Let her go, Mrs. Murray!' cried Ronald. "'Whip her and never stop!' But there was no need. The pony was wild with fear, and she was doing her best running. Ronald, meantime, was gradually holding in the colt, and the pony drew away rapidly but as rapidly the wolves were closing in behind him. They were not more than a hundred yards away, and gaining every second. Ronald, remembering the suspicious nature of the brutes, loosened his coat and dropped it on the road. With a chorus of yelps they paused, then threw themselves upon it, and in another minute took up the chase. But now the clearing was in sight. The pony was far ahead, and Ronald shook out his colt with a yell. He was none too soon, for the pursuing pack, now uttering short, shrill yelps, were close at the colt's heels. Lizette, fleet as the wind, could not shake them off. Closer and ever closer they came, snapping and snarling. Ronald could see them over his shoulder. A hundred yards more and he would reach his own back lane. The leader of the pack seemed to feel that his chances were slipping swiftly away. With a spurt he gained upon Lizette, reached the saddle-girths, gathered himself in two short jumps, and sprang for the colt's throat. Instinctively Ronald stood up in his stirrups, and, kicking his foot free, caught the wolf under the jaw. The brute fell with a howl under the colt's feet, and next moment they were in the lane and safe. The savage brutes, discouraged by their leader's fall, 
slowed down their fierce pursuit, and hearing the deep bay of MacDonald's great deerhound bugle up at the house, they paused, sniffed the air a few minutes, then turned and swiftly and silently slid into the dark shadows. Ronald, knowing that they would hardly dare enter the lane, checked the colt, and wheeling, watched them disappear. "'I'll have some of your hides some day,' he cried, shaking his fist after them. He hated to be made to run. He had hardly set the colt's face homeward when he heard something tearing down the lane to meet him. The colt snorted, swerved, and then dropping his ears stood still. It was Bugle, and after him came Mrs. Murray on the pony. "'Oh, Ronald!' she panted. "'Thank God you are safe. I was afraid you—you—' Her voice broke in sobs. Her hood had fallen back from her white face, and her eyes were shining like two stars. She laid her hand on Ronald's arm, and her voice grew steady as she said, "'Thank God, my boy, and thank you with all my heart. You risked your life for mine. You're a brave fellow. I can never forget this.' "'Oh, pshaw!' said Ronald awkwardly. "'You are better stuff than I am. You came back with Bugle, and I knew Liz could beat the pony.' Then they walked their horses quietly to the stable, and nothing more was said by either of them. But from that hour Ronald had a friend ready to offer life for him, though he did not know it then, nor till years afterward. Ralph Connor, The Man from Glengarry Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. St. John 15.13 End of chapter 10 This recording is in the public domain.